Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle, represented by Football Nation. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Week 11 saw a lot of great action once again in the NFL. Three games going to overtime. We had a bunch of backup quarterbacks playing. But we're going to start with one of those backup quarterbacks on Sunday Night Football. In my opinion, the greatest rivalry in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens went to go visit the Pittsburgh Steelers. You just hear those names and you and you shake a little in your boots. Just two teams that no matter what is going on in the season at that time, they they dislike they dislike each other so much that they're going to p- play a tight, close game, usually more defensive than any other games that you'll see in the NFL. Once again, Sunday night proved no different. Baltimore, not as dominant on defense as it normally is, the rankings-wise at least. It, um, the, the, the team is ranked around 26th, 27th in yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, and passing yards allowed. But one key stat that most people do not look at, red zone touchdowns given up. Baltimore is number one. That uh, The stat I'm referring to is... Uh, red zone percentages, the amount of touchdowns you give up per uh, attempts the other team has. Uh, Baltimore ranked number one. That's that's a stat I really think is underrated. If you, the other team gets down into the red zone and you make them kick a field goal, uh, underrated stat. New England normally uh, is in the top of the league in that stat. They give up a lot of yards as well, but they don't give up as many points as most people might guess because of that stat. But the reason why Baltimore has been off to such a hot start this year, that offense. Joe Flacco and Ray Rice have really been carrying it. On the other hand, Pittsburgh, they're up to their normal tricks on defense, ranked number one uh, in passing yards allowed and total yards allowed. But something that most people probably don't realize or see, the Steelers haven't been getting as many turnovers or sacks probably uh, a correlation there, not getting pressure on the quarterback this season, not getting sacks, and then as a result, not forcing fumbles or bad throws to lead to interceptions. Not giving up a lot of yards at all, but not getting those turnovers to really be a dominant defense. And they and they and because the offense sometimes um, puts the defense in bad situations or special, poor special teams plays, the Steelers are probably an average uh, team giving up points uh, averaging about 20 points given up per game. And we saw that again on Sunday night. Both defenses were dominant, um, but special teams play was the difference. Uh, Jacoby Jones returned a punt for a touchdown in the first quarter uh, for 63 yards, gave Baltimore the lead, and they held on to it for the rest of the game. To start off, uh, if you missed the game, Byron left, which started at quarterback for the Steelers. Uh, big news, obviously, in Pittsburgh and around the country that he has a, a sprained shoulder. It's not as bad as it, as they originally thought. With It's not a separated shoulder, but he could not play. He also had a, a rib injury 
that's actually life-threatening. So who knows how long that'll take to heal. But Byron Leftwich was in the game, uh, led the Steelers down the field for a 31-yard uh, scramble by Leftwich, actually led to the score, 7-0. And the Steelers' defense, you could tell right away, was really pumped up to play this game. Uh, they knew that they were going to have to play a good game without their starting quarterback. And, and the Ravens coming in, big rivalry, they were pumped up. But in the first quarter... On the second possession for the Steelers, Mike Wallace caught a pass and fumbled, which led to a field goal. We see turnovers lead to other points for the team around the around the NFL. And then on the next possession, a three and out for the Steelers, punt, Jacoby, Jacoby Jones, touchdown, Ravens up 10-7 and wouldn't relinquish the lead. But overall, if you look at the stats, Pittsburgh, you know, again, neither offense really stuck out. But Pittsburgh, three turnovers. The last one, I would say, doesn't really count. It was on the last play of the game. They were trying to, you know, uh, lateral their way into the end zone, uh, pull a, a Kyle Stanford, and ended up fumbling it, and Baltimore recovered. All right, that, technically that's a fumble. But the other two led the points. Though I already mentioned the Mike Wallace fumble led to a field goal in the second uh, second half. Byron Leftwich through an interception on a drive that the Steelers were actually getting something going. That led to a Baltimore field goal. The only other points were were uh, the, the the touchdown return by the by Jacoby Jones on the punt. Those were all of Baltimore's points. So you could definitely say Pittsburgh's mistakes led to Baltimore scoring. But there are so many key matchups in this game, uh, you know the the games within the games. I think you could you could call it uh, a lot of big names not playing in this game or playing in this uh, rivalry like they normally do. Ray Lewis was out for the Baltimore Ravens on the Pittsburgh side. Troy Polamalu was out. Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of other key role plays for both te- role players for both teams were out. But a key matchup for when Baltimore had the ball. Ike Taylor, who normally covers. Anquan Bolden, when these two, two teams match up, was switched to covering Torrey Smith this year. Torrey Smith is in his second year, uh, has really been an explosive receiver for the Ravens. And Taylor took Smith completely out of the equation. Yeah, he had help from Ryan Clark and Ryan Mundy and other safeties uh, from the Steelers. They were really double covering him. But Ike Taylor had a really good game and took away, almost took away one side of the field, but definitely took away Torrey Smith, who only had one catch in the whole game. Uh, another key matchup, Corey Graham, who is the, the Raven who actually had the interception of, of uh, Byron Leftwich. He had a very good game. Obviously, the interception led to a field goal. The Ravens only won by three. Uh, he was covering several different receivers from the Steelers' side. And another key matchup, James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, you know they love to rush the passer. I mentioned they're not getting as many sacks this season, them and the Steelers as as a whole. Uh, Harrison seems to really be affected by the, the injury he had earlier this season that kept him out of games. He still hasn't really recovered. He's not the same player. Um, he's also getting up there in age. And as Lamar Woodley, Woodley occasionally takes over a game. Uh, Cincinnati, he had a key play interception. Uh, he, he'll have a few sacks in games, but I think overall Woodley is just a better Robin than Batman, 
And with without with Harrison's play down, Woodley's play is down because he's getting more double teams. But those two players are going to be really important for the Steelers going down the stretch if they're going to start creating turnovers and be a better defense than they are right now. And they, and they really have to get better, especially if Ben is going to be out. For, ben Roethlisberger is going to be out for an extensive period of time. But overall, the the tackle Mike Michael Orr kept Harrison and Woodley in check. Uh, the other tackle did as well, and Matt Burke. The the Steelers they really were predicting the snap count and getting good jumps off the off the line. But Matt Burke did a good job of trying to change the the snap count, the center of the the Ravens, and actually he got he got the Steelers on a few offsides penalties, which was really key at the end of the game. The Steelers had already burned their last timeout. They had used two timeouts early in the in the third quarter uh, on an offensive drive where there was some confusion, and still that drive only led to a field goal. That was, I think, a key, very key stop for the Ravens. The only time the Steelers were in the red zone, they had to settle for a field goal. Again, that that key stat, red zone uh, percentage for uh, red zone defense for for Baltimore. But so with one timeout, the the Steelers used it at 2:04 left in the game. Uh, key third and seven coming up. Uh, the the Ravens ran a play. Steelers called offsides, even though they st- they stopped them, but was called offsides. So not only did they have to redo the down at third and two, the clock had gone down to two minutes, and that was the two minute warning. So a lot of time wasted on that. Uh, a sequence of plays, um, and that was an offsides. I would think, believe it was Brett Kiesel, the defensive lineman, who was offsides. But I think James Harrison was also offsides on the play. Um, which that the timeouts was a really key thing in the second half overall. Uh, with the the Steelers' offense at the end of the game had to drive down to try and get a game tying field goal. Had no timeouts to work with. Leftwich also played most of this game. It seemed like with some kind of shoulder injury which is I think important to note that as a Steeler fan you you love Mike Tomlin but he often leaves players in too long at least quarterbacks in too long I think when they're injured and it was pretty clear by the end of this game that Leftwich was having problems throwing the ball and was really kind of hurting he was pretty much pretty hurting out there and uh, he's he left Big Ben in last season with the 49ers when he could barely walk, and which led to a, a Steelers loss. And who knows how well Leftwich or Batch would have done in that game. Um, but I'm not speculating the Steelers would have won. But you you have to think that maybe you'd be better off with a healthy quarterback, even if that quarterback's not quite as good. Maybe the Steelers would have been better at Charlie Batch in the fourth quarter than a, a battered Byron Leftwich who just kept taking hit after hit. The Ravens really got some good pressure on him in obvious passing situations. Uh, Willie Colon has done a much better job uh, playing this season. Run blocking is excellent, but he had uh, a key miss block in the th- in the third quarter on a third. Excuse me, in the fourth quarter on a third down that led to a sack and then another forced punt around midfield for the Steelers. But this was a really important game, obviously. The, these two teams will play one more time, but Baltimore winning this game 13-10 to on the road in a season where their offense has really carried them. This game, and, and their special teams has carried them, but then in this game, again, key special teams play, but they really won this with their defense. 
forcing three turnovers, giving up none on offense. Only had 200 yards of total offense, but didn't make any key mistakes for Joe Flacco. That's important on the road. And I think Baltimore, despite not playing very well in this game, is going to be a pretty big threat down the stretch for the AFC, especially if they get to play some home playoff games. They're, in a, they're a completely different team at home. So as for the Steelers, at 6-4, and four, they're not out of it by any means. The wild card is definitely still within reach. I think, I think both these teams will make the playoffs, but it's going to be a very uphill battle for the Steelers to win the division. They have to go into Baltimore in two weeks and win that game. They might not, might not be able to lose another game the rest of the season, and that's going to be tough if Ben Roethlisberger's out for an extended period of time. And who knows? Leftwich didn't look very good at the end of the, that game. He was certainly hurting, so Charlie Batch may be suiting up in Cleveland next week. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with some other action from Sunday. When I look in my And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We love to hear from you fans out there. You can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. My Twitter account, dmholcomb. And you can find us on Facebook at Dave's Football News. The New York Jets and the New Orleans Saints were both playing road games on Sunday but needed to get a victory to stay alive for the playoff hunt and both were successful in defeating the St. Louis Rams and the Oakland Raiders. Let's start with the Jets. They defeated the Rams soundly 27-13, snapped a three-game losing streak. No quarterback controversy in this game. Mark Sanchez probably had maybe his best game of the season, went 15 of 20, 178 yards, and a touchdown. A high, very high percentage there for him. That's what he's really struggled with. Tebow, again, not really involved in the offense. I think he was on the field for maybe five plays. Most of the plays he was on the actually, I think all the plays he was on the field for were unsuccessful, including a blocked, uh, not a, uh, uh, a fake, few, uh, fake punt that he tried to throw, and he did complete, but fell short, well short of the first down. I think despite uh, key mistakes like that failed fake punt, uh, they had a, a blocked field goal in the first half, um, the Jets had a, a field goal blocked, that is. The Jets were able to come out of St. Louis with the win. They, they really upped their game in the second quarter, and then early in the fourth quarter they scored uh, twice on the ground. Uh, Byron Powell scored two touchdowns um, to, to make this game a blowout. Uh, and the, the Jets stay alive in the AFC. They're 4-6. and six. So overall, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they they are alive in the AFC, and, and they can poss possibly go on a run. They have a key game coming up next week, or I should say this week, um, on Thursday night at home against New England. They had a heartbreaking loss to New England uh, last time these two teams faced each other, of course. That was the first game of the three-game losing streak for the Jets. 
So definitely need to get some revenge there if they're going to make a run for the playoffs. That's a that's a game that they're going to have to have this Thursday. The Saints visited Oakland and won this game 38 to 17, another blowout. Uh Drew Brees interesting stats, 7 and 0 uh career record against Oakland. And the Saints get to 500 at 5 and 5. They are alive in the NFC uh, south, uh, NFC South, but NFC overall. Um, Bob Cost has actually m- mentioned it on uh, Sunday Night Football that since 2003, I believe, only one team with the best record in football has won the Super Bowl. That is to the 2003 Patriots. So uh, even though everyone's obsessed with uh, the Atlanta Falcons out to a 9-1 start winning yesterday again, uh, Houston held on to a win yesterday. They're gonna. They're also nine and one. You're also, you know, up, up, love talking about other teams like Chicago, uh, San Francisco, Denver, New England, Baltimore won again. Um, but the last few years, we really we've seen wild card teams who barely sneak into the playoffs and get hot at the right time, at hot in December, and then carry it into January, win Super Bowls. That team that you got to watch out for this year is definitely New Orleans at five and five. It's going to be tough for them to get into the playoffs. I, I really think so. They're going to have to win probably all their games, but maybe one. I think they could get in at ten and six, depending on tiebreakers and such. And at five and five, you, there's a lot of pressure to win every other game, but one. But the Saints could do it uh, and and be a real threat in the playoffs. But but in this game, Drew Brees playing lights-out football, 20 of 27, 219 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but And the, the Saints got a running game going also. Mark Ingram had a 5.6 yards per carry average, 67 yards on 12 carries, had a, a touchdown. Despite the good offensive play from the Saints, the key is still their defense. Joe Ved is back uh, coaching the Saints. He's the interim head coach this year without Sean Payton. He has gotten this team uh, away from making those mistakes they were making when they started the season 0-4. Uh, they, they're still making some stupid penalties, stupid mistakes, like uh, Mark Ingram got called for taunting, there were, uh, you know, blocks in the back on punts and such. Um, and the Saints still aren't starting with real good field position, which they actually have the worst starting field position average in the league. And that's going to be key to improve as the season goes on, as football is a game of field position. But their defense got an interception, returned it for a touchdown, uh, forced two turnovers from Oakland, no turnovers from the offense. Once again, when you don't turn the ball over, you win games. <laughs> so uh, the, the, that defense is really stepping up and playing uh, at a championship level, to be honest at a championship level, uh, with that offense. Uh, on the other side, Oakland and St. Louis, didn't mention anything for St. Louis, uh, it's kind of back to the drawing board for the Rams, uh, despite a really great game last week against San Francisco, they lose this game at home against a very winnable opponent in the Jets, So and Bradford really struggled um, in in against the Jets, just wasn't able to throw the ball downfield. He was settling for a lot of short checkdowns, threw the ball 44 times, 
completed only 23 of them, only 170 yards. A lot of that was in garbage time and did throw an interception as well that didn't lead any points thanks to a blocked field goal. But still, uh, every time you think Bradford is starting to move up a little bit and become a good quarterback, he, he takes a step backwards. And Sunday was definitely another step backwards. The Raiders, Carson Palmer's throwing the ball a lot. He threw for 312 yards. Two touchdowns, but had two interceptions, throwing the ball in traffic a lot. But the key for the Oakland Raiders was their third-string running back, Marcel Reese, had 193 total yards uh, on the game. It was really the only bright spot for the the Oakland Raiders on Sunday. He should be in the mix to compete with Darren McFadden. I'm not saying that he should start over McFadden, but McFadden's had some trouble this season. Doesn't have a very high uh, yards per carry average. Obviously, teams are stacking the box against him. But Marcel Reese's ability to to run the ball and, and catch the ball in the passing game, uh, he should get more carries, more touches, even when McFadden comes back into the lineup. So we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back with our fourth and long segment. Who could never understand I was a pilgrim for your love A pilgrim for your love A pilgrim for your love I was a pilgrim for your love Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going into our fourth and long segment of our show. We're going to start off with the Dallas Cowboys defeating the Cleveland Browns in overtime, 23-20. Cleveland led at halftime, 13-0. Dallas came back to tie it. Cleveland came back in the fourth quarter to take a lead. But then uh, Dallas had to come back again, tie it, force overtime, and then win in overtime. But I'm going to reference an article written by Wesley Van Anden on our website, footballnation.com. Ed Hockley gives the Cowboys their fifth win of 2012. Uh, Van Anden argued that there was a a catch fumble in overtime that the the head referee, Ed Hockley, clearly missed, uh, in in the opinion of of Wesley Van Anden. Uh, They ruled it. An incomplete pass that he did not have complete control of the ball before he dropped it. Um, and what was really curious was the Hockley decided not to review it. So the referees did not review it. And, and over time, um, all the reviews come from the booth. There are no coach, coach challenges. And because there was, it wasn't a turnover, because uh, it was ruled not a turnover on the field, it was not reviewed. Um, and I... I to be honest, I forget all of the review um, rules. I know most of them, but uh, Van Anden was arguing that this was a, a play that should have been reviewed, and Hockley said that they can't review it. I don't know why they would say you can't review it. That is a little unclear to me, um, but I know that you know the, in overtime, the NFL decides what plays are reviewed and what aren't, so that is the rule, and if they decide that is not a play worth reviewing, then it's not worth reviewing. Um, that's all really I have to say about that. <laughs> Playing the, the pulling the Forrest Gump line, um, but the, the my statement. Um, Dallas now at five and five, 
one game back of the New York Giants. Are the Cowboys the Cowboys are a legitimate threat to the New York Giants in the NFC East? Despite them winning this game, I'm going to punt that statement away. I just I'm not a believer in Dallas. I'm not a believer in Tony Romo or Jason Garrett that they can get this job done. I'm not a believer in Jerry Jones as an owner. He's not even playing in these games, but I just don't believe his t- a team that he runs uh, can can go to the playoffs. This was a t- this was a very easy game. Cleveland at two and seven comes into your house and you struggle. I, I you know I haven't seen much of Cleveland this year. I except you know looking at scores and, and box scores of them, they have played tough. They've played a lot of teams tough uh, and lose a lot of close games. But this was a game that Dallas at home, a game you have to have against a below average team. I just don't see why Dallas struggles so much at home and why they struggle so much against team the type the in these types of games. So we saw what they did last time against the Giants. Uh, well, they've already—I was going to say—they played the Giants one more time. They don't actually. They've already played the Giants twice. So and they've won one, lost one. So that's not to their advantage to try and catch up to them. But you know, the, everyone's going to talk about the Giants collapse. They don't play well in November. November, blah blah blah. I don't see the Giants giving up that division lead. Uh, Dallas, the. I guess they'll be in it, but I just I'm not a believer that they're actually going to seriously contest the New York Giants for the NFC East. For the other teams in the NFC East, uh, the Washington Redskins played the Philadelphia Eagles in Washington. The Redskins gave the Eagles a thrashing, won 31 to six. RG three threw four touchdowns. Michael Vick wasn't playing in this game. Nick Foles threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. And it's really starting to look ugly in Philadelphia as uh, the season comes to an end. They are now in last place at 3-7. and seven. Uh, Moving on to Atlanta, another quarterback that really struggled. Matt Ryan, five interceptions in this game against Arizona. Really struggled. It looked like he was trying to give the game to the Cardinals. Cardinals have not won in over a month. Since being 4-0, they have not won a game. Uh, but Atlanta held on 23-19. They improved to 9-1. Best record in the league. Tied for best record in the league. Best record in the NFC. Are poised to get that number one seed and have home field advantage and play all their playoff games in the Georgia Dome leading up to the Super Bowl. My statement. The Atlanta Falcons are the team to beat in the NFC. I've always liked the Falcons. I like Matt Ryan. I love what Mike Smith does. Think about this. The Atlanta Falcons have had never had back-to-back winning seasons before Mike Smith was hired in 2008. Never had back-to-back winning seasons. They've had four winning seasons in a row and three playoff appearances under Mike Smith. They're, they have another winning season. Well, I guess you could count five winning seasons now with uh, 2012. Uh, and they're going to make another playoff appearance, despite uh, and unless they have some kind of crazy late season collapse um, at nine and one, they're they're more than likely going to make the playoffs. Um, but I'm not going to say they're the favorite or the team to beat in the NFC. 
Chicago is a great team. I really like the way they're playing despite their loss last week. San Francisco is still maybe the best team in the league, the most balanced team. Uh, we'll see how they play without Alex Smith on Monday Night Football. Jay Cutler also added that game They're, as the 49ers are playing the Bears. But the team that everyone's going to look out for, probably besides New Orleans, Green Bay. Green Bay had a sloppy win in Detroit 24-20 to uh, on Sunday, but they are improving. They've won several games in a row. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. Uh, MVP candidate once again. Um, they have some injuries on both sides of the ball. Once they get those key players back, they'll be even better. I, I, to be honest, I think Green Bay might be the team to beat, uh, or at least my team, uh, the, the team I'm picking to go all the way. Actually, was my preseason pick, uh, along with Houston in the AFC. So I'm, I'm gonna punt away that statement as well. Atlanta, the team to beat in the NFC. And I'm gonna reference one other article um, from our website: Five Reasons to Be Excited for This Year's Playoffs. Uh, written by Raphael Haynes. It's in a slideshow form. You should check out that article. One reason I'm excited for the playoffs coming up in January, we have another chance to see Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. My statement, we will see another Manning versus Brady playoff game. Obviously, it depends on where the seeds fall and, and the matchups, but I'm going to grunt. Uh, a team that we're not really talking about in the AFC very much uh, is New England. We're talking about the Texans getting out to 9-1 start. I really like the Texans. They are my preseason pick, so I'm going to stay with them and ride them out until they're, they're, they're eliminated. Another team I like is the Broncos. They're, they improve every single week with Peyton Manning. He keeps getting better and better. We saw what Baltimore did against Pittsburgh. They're now 8-2, and two, and they could right now they're in line to get the two-seed. But New England, smashing uh, the Indianapolis Colts 59-24, to um, completely took it to Andrew Luck, intercepted him three times, and really had balance in that game, scored uh, two touchdowns on defense, a touchdown on special teams, and then, of course, several on offense. Um, the Denver Broncos, I mentioned, improve every week. They defeated San Diego 30-23. to I don't know what round it's going to be in because, again, I, Houston and Baltimore are going to be tough outs. But this could be a, another potential a, a, AFC championship game between the Broncos and Patriots, another Brady-Manning uh, Brady matchup. Then the winner goes to the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. I think that would be a really cool um, matchup in the playoffs. That's something that I'm really looking forward to. Real quick, before we go to break, there will be a special Thanksgiving edition of Monday Morning Huddle released this coming week on Friday, November 23rd. I'm going back to school on Sunday night or possibly Monday morning next week uh, after Thanksgiving break is over. So there will be no show next Monday morning. Our next show will be on Friday. We're planning on bringing in several guests, um, hopefully three guests. Um, um, uh, Alex Reamer has always has already been confirmed. He will be coming on to discuss the New England Patriots and, and the game that's going to be on Thanksgiving against the Jets. Alex Reamer, of course, hosts his own podcast on Wednesdays, 
FN Today. You should check that out. We're hoping also to bring on Wayne Hood, a um, Dallas Cowboy fan. We'll discuss the Cowboys situation. I'll, we might even get into an argument, as I just said. I don't think they're a legit contender in the NFC East, but I'm sure he'll think otherwise, and, and we'll, we'll see it. The, Reds, uh, the Cowboys play the Redskins on Thursday. That's a game, another game that they should win, have to win at home. And w that would put them over the 500 mark. And we're also hoping to bring in one other guest. Uh, ho hopefully that comes through on Friday. So may look out for that episode coming out on the 23rd. We're going to take another quick break. And then we're going to come up back and we'll wrap up today's show. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, we would love to hear your input. Email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, dmholcomb, and on Facebook. Search in the toolbar, Dave's Football News. We'll run through other scores from this week. Buffalo defeated Miami last Thursday. 19 to 14 in the cold Buffalo uh, weather. Uh, Ryan Tannehill struggled once again. Uh, he's really struggled the last two weeks. And Miami had a promising four and th was a promising four and three. Now has fallen to four and six. Cincinnati got a, an important win in Kansas City, 28 to six. They uh, get up to 500 at five and five. Houston holds on to beat Jacksonville in overtime, 43-37. to Andre Johnson had a career day, over 200 yards receiving and a touchdown. Tampa Bay also won in overtime, 27-21 over Carolina. They had to come back and win that game. Uh, Cooper Allen and I had a weekly visitor uh, or li weekly listener and has also been on our show. Cooper Allen uh, brought up a great point about overtime rules in the NFL, uh, hopefully we can get uh, bring that up maybe next week or the following week to talk about that. We've had so many overtime games recently, and that's all for the scores. I'm just running down the ones that I didn't mention. Those are the only uh, scores that I did not mention from Week 11. The Monday night game. If you're listening on Monday, Chicago at San Francisco. Both starting quarterbacks are out. Jay Cutler and Alex Smith should be a great game. Great defenses going at it. And we'll see which team comes on top. Both teams did not win last week. San Francisco had a tie. Chicago lost to Houston. So both teams will be looking to get back into that win column. One last thing before I leave. I want to reference one other article on our website. The Composition of a Super Bowl Contender, written by Lamont Thomas. Really good piece. I'd suggest you check that out. Have a happy Thanksgiving to all our fans out there. Have a good week with your family, and hopefully you'll have some time to watch some football on Turkey Day, some great games on Thursday, three important games. And then don't forget, we'll recap those games on a special edition of Monday Morning Huddle on Friday with some guests coming on the show.
But in the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. <laughs>